You know, when Galileo presented this novel idea, this radical theory that, you know, the sun doesn't revolve around the earth. The earth revolves around the sun. I think it's this level of upending of conventional wisdom that we are likely to see in, in quote unquote science more and more over the next 20 years. Welcome to episode 33 of Off the Charts, a stellar newscast with news and commentary from the Ensouled Universe for the week of April 10th, 2023. I'm your co-host and producer, Whitney McKnight in East Tennessee, and I am joined from New York by my colleague, co-host and fellow astrologer, Elizabeth Grace. Hello, Elizabeth. Hello, hello. I'm sorry. I have I have allergies. I hope you don't. <laughs> I do, actually. I didn't know what Ugh. they were until I went to my acupuncturist yesterday. Yeah, Tennessee's hardcore and we have a lot of really beautiful old growth hardwood trees around here. And um, also we've been um, in the mountains here, they've been doing controlled burns. So there's smoke in the air all the time. And I, but the two of them are just whammying my voice. So so back to the back to the regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> Elizabeth and I are both renegades from corporate media. We report and analyze the cosmic impulses behind the news. We offer you an alternative to the corporate media model that manipulates you into working against your best interests. We bring you news from the ensouled universe where cycles within cycles suggest there is a greater consciousness unfolding us, moving through us and around us. It's a larger intelligence that extends beyond what we could ever possibly imagine. And our goal is to help you see there is order amidst the chaos and that trusting the universe, not the status quo, is what keeps you calm and hopeful. So welcome, everybody. And if you're just joining us, Elizabeth and I have been at this now for 33 episodes, roughly over a year, with help from our patron subscribers. If you'd like to become a contributing member of our community, please visit ensold.substack.com. Patron subscribers have access to extras like our ever-expanding department of they, the they being the powers that be. It's a feature where we deconstruct how the media is used to trick us into thinking things that might not actually be true. Instead, we show you what is really going on using astrology. In a sense, it's like using astrology as a lie detector, or at the very least, as a detective aid. If you are unable to become a paid subscriber at this time, you're still a vital part of our community. Please leave comments in the comments section of wherever you listen to the show, and also please share us with others. So that's all I have to say. What's going on with you? What's, What's the going forecast? On with me? Well, uh, I survived a moon in Scorpio weekend. I cleaned out my closets. When the moon is in Scorpio, it is a wonderful time for a purge. So if anybody uh, did that over the weekend... As part of their spring cleaning ritual, you are in sync with the planetary patterns. Congratulations to you. So last week was a big week. We said it was going to be a big week. Um, I think what's going on is we are all getting used to or starting to see how things are changing. As we said, they were going, they were going to change. Pluto moved into Aquarius on March 23rd and Saturn moved into Pisces on March 7th. So um, the big buzz of Pluto in Aquarius is power to the people. That's that's one thing. Uh, we haven't had this pattern since the time of the French Revolution in the in the years after that, about 20 years after that. Basically, one one thing that Pluto was doing as it is in Aquarius is is it's activating another pattern that happened at the end of 2020, which was 
a great conjunction between Jupiter and Saturn in Aquarius, which has set us off into this 200-year new cycle where what is going to be driving the rulemaking and the power and the control is the realm of air, meaning information, how we think about things, mind control, information and data networks. And this is different from the past 200 years where whoever had the most physical toys and could mine the earth would win. What we're expecting to happen over these next 200 years is likely to make a huge impact in the world of science, quote unquote. And this Scientific American uh, article, which I believe, Whitney, you read in deep detail, thank God, because I don't think I did, um, is, is an example of how it's like everything we thought we knew, all of the rules that have guided us through this material world are are up in the air. So here's this article, um, bizarre quantum tunneling observations throws out all the rules. Okay, well, basically, um, yes, what you're saying is true, but there's also an element here of things that we, that some of us knew were true, are finally coming out into the mainstream and are getting their due. So um, a bizarre quantum tunneling observation throws out all the rules and the subhead is strange phenomenon of quantum tunneling has been observed in a chemical reaction that defies classical physics. However, what they have been able to observe, and I'll explain it in a second. I think it's what it is. It's, it's basically, this is an example, and we've been sharing examples of this kind of news where, hey, we all thought this thing worked this way. Like, here's Stephen Hawking. You know, Stephen Hawking apparently confided to one of his associates that, you know what, I, re- I, I looked at my book, A Brief History of Time, and I'm not really sure it really works that way even though that's what I wrote. Yeah. And this is, this is extraordinary. It's kind of like when Galileo. Well, hmm? It's cool. <laughs> oh, no, dude. I always love anything about Galileo. No, but Please you know, proceed. when Galileo presented this novel idea, this radical theory that, you know, the sun doesn't revolve around the earth. The earth revolves around the sun. I think it's this level of upending of conventional wisdom that we are likely to see yeah. in, in quote unquote yeah. science more and more over the next 20 years. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, I would agree with that. And so what happened here is just simply that a hundred years ago, the thought was that it, and it came out of quantum mechanics. Okay. So just physics is not just physics. There's so many different kinds of subspecialties within physics. So you have classic physicists who, you know, just this is the way it is, kind of what you're talking about. But then you have um, quantum physicists who focus on things that basically, I, I don't know, I just think of this book I read a million years ago, Leaping Poetry, right? Where just something just exponent, exponentially moves you forward. Okay, so classical physicists said that um, atoms that can't get through or molecules that can't get through something can't get through it. And quantum mechanics said, Actually, yeah, they can just kind of think themselves to where they want to be. <laughs> so what's happened is, is these hydrogen molecules <clears throat> have been shown on the other side of some really heavy charged versions of hydrogen. They're deuterium, deuterium ion yeah. heavy, right? So they're very dense. And what happened was is that the, 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 um, the established status quo theory is, is that there's no way 
that hydrogen molecules would be able to get through to the other side. But there they were, they were showing them on the other side. So how did they get there? So they're calling it tunneling. But the idea is really just like, well, maybe it just kind of fought itself over there. <laughs> I know a scientist would drop dead just like in, in shock at my way of explaining that. But here's what they call it. They call it probability clouds, right? So 100 years of quantum mechanics suggests that particles are actually more like clouds of probability than solid spheres, which means it's not real. It's in potentia, which is a really, no, you know, it's a heavy yeah. thought. Which is interesting that I put it that way. It's a really yeah. heavy thought, but it's only in potentia. And they call these probability clouds a, a general location of a particle, but it can extend out to infinity. Well, why does it extend out to infinity? Here's me interpreting. This is not a scientist. And, and I am using, you know, I read the article and I'm, I'm, I'm interpreting what they're talking about. But my interpretation is when they say it extends out to infinity is that there are endless possibilities, <laughs> It's just whatever your imagination can help you get through, whatever, wherever your imagination decides to go. So although most classical physicists think that it is unlikely because they're skeptical that quantum particles can theoretically pop up anywhere, including on the other side of an energy barrier, that's what they call them, that a classical part particle should never be able to cross, they're finding that actually they're popping up there. So I just take this to mean that further scientific evidence that the universe is ensouled is starting to come our way or as the way you've already put it um people are just like i thought it was this way but really it's that way because you know what they're starting to consider other possibilities because they're living in that cloud of possibility possibility cloud of probability and i i'm gonna actually have something to say about this later because i think this is really what we've been getting at and this has been my you know my worldview is it's a world it's an ensouled universe where cycles within cycles are moving in us, through us, and around us. And science is getting, they're catching up to us. That's what I say. These are the questions that will be, that will actually drive the way we operate and the way that we inform ourselves over the next 20 years. But um, that was something that I, I had a conversation about this, geez, a decade ago now with, he's no longer there, but the head of the National Institute of Mental Health, um, Thomas Insull, because he was telling me about the Brain Project, which was like the largest budget ever issued. It was almost $5 billion ever issued to a clinical um, medical program. And um, they were trying to find out the actual biological processes of the brain. And I actually have no idea where that stands right now. But one of the things that he said they were finding was, is that when they tried too hard, it would become elusive that when they stood back a little bit and they were, you know, monitoring the waves or just kind of seeing what was happening, um, they were finding that it was more of a um, kind of, well, how did he put it? I actually think he struggled with explaining it because he was finding it metaphysical and that was exactly not what they were looking for. They were trying to make it as concrete as yeah. possible, <laughs> but that, that it was really difficult that mind and memory move in mysterious ways. And that, you know, I guess, you know, the way I had put it to him was I said, what it sounds to me you're describing as a Surat, you know, like where, wherever you just kind of start to see a painting emerge or a picture emerge from the dots, that's okay, you know, but you, it doesn't just immediately take your focus. You have to train your eye to see it. So again, back to this story, you know, I see it as further scientific evidence that the universe isn't sold because scientists, even though they would just rather probably die than admit that they're finding things metaphysical as well as quantumly uh, physical, 
are showing us that matter exists in potentia at all times in this moment. And this moment is the point of power. And as soon as you focus on it, that simply means putting your attention on it. It's a greater wave that collapses into particle of focused beingness. And that's that's an ensouled universe. That is, a, that is a dynamic state of being that is also right here, right now. So I guess what I'm saying is wherever we place our attention is where we literally are. And wherever we literally are is where we imagine ourselves to be. Okay, so that Pluto and Aquarius, everybody. And then, you know, and we'll get into uh, what we're seeing here in the democracy uh, arena later on in this forecast when we talk about things that are going on in Tennessee. Where you are, you are like ground zero, ground, grand, or at least grand central, if not ground zero of, of stuff in the United States. Okay, so what else is going on? All right, Mercury is in Taurus. It's, it entered Taurus last week. It's going to be in Taurus for weeks. So you better get used to it. And it is starting to slow down in speed. And it has now entered what we call the shadow phase, which basically means that um, Mercury, which refers to how we need to think and communicate documents, travel, computers. This is this we we've thrown this all under the purview of Mercury. All of this, all of this thinking, thinkingness. Mercury is slowing down. Astrologers like to say, "As above, so below." So, if the planet Mercury is slowing in speed from our perspective here on planet Earth, it suggests that this is we are moving into a time of review. So we can pause and sort of catch our minds up to all of the wild things that have happened over the last two months when all the planets were moving direct, i.e. forward in motion, and things were happening at a much faster pace than we're accustomed to. So anything that's going on now in your own personal world, if you're negotiating a contract, if you are anything that you're doing now, um, just be, be advised that Mercury will turn retrograde next week i think it's on the 20 yes the 21st Friday 21st it will turn retrograde in taurus and um anything that you thought was going forward it's possible there may be a rethink of things and that is what you are supposed to be doing we are supposed to be rethinking reviewing to catch so we can catch our breath and process all the stuff that's happened in recent weeks mm -hmm. Well, it'll just be, what? I would say what we're going to start seeing is a review of values. And what I would suggest might happen is we, we might actually have a couple of governors like happened here in Tennessee yesterday or the other day. Yeah, I guess it was yesterday. Um, review the fact that maybe some gun laws aren't such a bad idea. So reviews and values, uh, because it'll be in Taurus, which is ruled by Venus and Taurus is likes the status quo a lot and likes to um, have valuables. So just kind of reviewing what our values are and what we find valuable, maybe children's lives. Values and since it's in Taurus, the need of Taurus, Taurus is here to build material comfort and security out of whatever inspirational spark Aries came up with, because Aries is the first in the beginning. Aries is the idea. Taurus needs to give it solid, comfortable, material, tangible form. And so any planet in Taurus is going to be expressed with a need for establishing calm. If you have a planet in Taurus, that's a big deal for you. Calm, status quo, comfort. And so, yeah, we'll see about these gun, gun laws because people are going to be thinking, well, does this make me feel comfortable? Yeah, it's not that it's 
it's not like it's the first time we've had Mercury retrograde in Taurus, but <laughs> but the other planetary patterns that have led us to this point will, I think, make us at least see more of this during this particular Mercury retrograde in Taurus. I am going to make a note of this. And when this happens, I'm going to stand up and cheer for you having the vision to see this possibility. I hope you are right. I hope every, I hope this comes true. So, all right. So what else is going on? So Mars uh, on March 25th, finally made a shift. Uh, It left Gemini where it had been for seven months, which brought us the word weaponization all over the place. You can't turn your head without seeing the weaponization of government and the weaponization of this and that and everything else. That was a Mars and Gemini. That was Mar- the symbolism of Mars and Gemini working its way into our collective consciousness. Uh, Mars and Cancer has a different agenda than Mars and Gemini. It is looking for action that impacts emotional, family, home security. And Cancer is also uh, refers to motherhood and birthing and creativity. So here we are. Mars in the early degrees of cancer activated the horoscope of the United States. It was born with the sun in cancer and it has Venus and Jupiter and also Mercury in cancer, four planets in cancer. So the United States is all about, you know, mom right. and apple pie and and home. And as as um, patron subscribers will will see if they look through the charts that we've been adding to the Department of Bay and and when we look at um, government agencies, it just seems like there cannot be a government agency created in this country that doesn't have a huge emphasis on cancer. It's bizarre. And we're, we're going to find that again when we look at the FDA. Cancer and and weirdly enough, uh, you know, reflecting a pattern in the horoscope of the United States, the Mars Neptune square. Or yeah, or some kind of yeah, which is really there. curious. It, it's like they, you know, there's like a fanaticism about every every agency that comes into being in in the United States. There's there's some zeal, mm-hmm. zealous yeah, ideal. Well, yeah, it. it's a, and and also like, um, are you everything that you say you are? <laughs> yeah, astrology is amazing. Anyway, so transiting Mars, which is now around I think eight or nine degrees Cancer by the time you're listening to this, uh, you know, it activated the Venus Jupiter. The United States has a conjunction of Venus and Jupiter in Cancer, which is I think one of its greatest blessings in terms of always having enough to eat. There should always be enough to eat at the table of the United States. It's known for its generosity and and of of creativity. All right. So, but Mars met up with that pattern in the United States horoscope and reflecting that potential was for some judge in Texas to issue an astonishing ruling, uh, you know, uh, reversing 23 years of, of precedence. His politics didn't like what this particular drug can do. Uh, and he basically said, um, we're not going to be selling this anymore. And he cited uh, a, a law that was put on the books in 1873, I believe, uh, who, who, that was generated by somebody who was um, who was uh, 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 an 1873 version of Dana Carvey's church lady, Anthony Comstock, um, basically had got Congress to put in into practice in, to enact a law that said you cannot send anything through the mail across state lines that facilitates abortion contraception specifically called it out and so uh maddie k our texas judge 
with an unpronounceable last name has said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning on that 1873 thing. And uh, unless the Biden administration's DOJ files an appeal as of Friday, nobody in the country, no one in the country can get this drug. I really am not sure what to make of this. I haven't studied it that closely, but I mean, the the law, let's look at these charts because the law in 1906 that created the FDA or um, the the Wiley Act, which is what it was nicknamed. I think it was called the Food, Pure and Drug. Food and Drug Act. Yeah, that was the actual act. But it was you know basically called Wiley because of this chemist who was the head of um, the Department Harvey of Agriculture Wiley. at that time. That ruling or that act in 1906, it wasn't a ruling, it was an act. Um, it gave inspection powers to the government for interstate trade of food and drugs to you know, do a, a, a number of things, but in, to ensure their purity. But it also was supposed to govern what happened when things were, were traded interstate. Now, this is he's saying it's through the mail, right? He's, he's objecting to it. So I, I, don't, I don't know that he's right. I don't know that he's right. That's what I'm saying. So and okay. what was interesting is it prompted a judge, a federal judge in Washington state to issue an immediate injunction telling the FDA, you cannot follow the direction of Maddie Kay in Texas. Well, you know, the, here's, here's my take on this. This is going to actually open up a whole can of worms with lots of stuff. Um, and it's going <laughs> to, we're going to start to see a lot of business people freaking out because mm-hmm. there's so much interstate trade of drugs. The FDA is going to really find itself in shit. Why don't we look at the charts? Okay. So the chart for uh, June 30th, 1906, Harvey Wiley, who is responsible for the passage of the Pure Food and Drug Act, uh, which he, he was deeply concerned about consumer safety, you know, fake diet medicine, all the kinds of wacky things. I mean, nothing has really changed in, in over a hundred years. They had those same issues back then that we still have today with protecting ourselves, consumer protection. Um, when this act was passed, the Pure Food and Drug Act, that gave the government agency, which is like, as you are going to explain, because, you know, the Food and Drug Administration, the agency has gone through multiple incarnations, which is always a challenge for astrologers, because we're looking for what is the inception point? When, what is the absolute beginning of this entity? So we can use it as a tracking tool. And yet things rebrand themselves. Maybe they take on a new name Every one of those moments also has a chart for this moment in time. And and we then have to factor in, you know, how is the purpose and the intent of this entity changed because it has evolved. So we're looking at the chart that gave this agency the power to regulate for the purposes of preserving safety of food and drugs, which is June 30th, 1906. We've got a son in cancer. Okay. And, and it's just fascinating because it's conjunct Neptune and Mars. And as we have seen in the other agencies we've looked at so far, I think we're batting, I think we're batting a thousand here. Uh, every agency, even the Department of Defense, even has mm-hmm. a Mar, has a hard aspect, a challenge yeah. between Mars, the energy of action and Neptune, which is, yeah, this is a vision, but is it for real? Um, so it's got that, and it and it also has in its horoscope the sun, its Cancer sun, was opposing the planet Uranus 
back then. So it has, which to me is signaling quite a bit of independence. Jupiter and Pluto are also conjunct in this horoscope. So there's tremendous amount of power and resources that it has. What's going on in this horoscope now relative to the, you know, like how does what's happening now? We see solar arc Saturn, the energy of control and authority on the cancer sun of this Food and Drug Act. There is a there is a necessary control or potential necessary assumption of responsibility that it's going to be dealing with this year. And the other thing that's interesting about this horoscope from 1906 is that Mercury in this chart was at 29 degrees of Cancer, the very end of Cancer, and it is being challenged, squared by Pluto. So there's an argument of transformation, empowerment, persuasion associated with thought and communication coming from the FDA with respect to its ability to control and monitor interstate commerce of food and drug over mm-hmm. the next couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly here in the chart. That is really, really cool to see that. I would say that that also means um, this is not the first time this is going to happen, that this is probably kicking off a pattern we're going to see over the next few years. There's going to be a lot of challenges. And particularly when Pluto goes back into Capricorn, and therefore we'll be opposing all of the business that is in the um, cancer across the, the way there mm-hmm. for this chart. So what happened last week? So we had another really long void of course moon, 17 hours with the moon sort of wandering through the cosmic sandbox without making uh, contact with any of the other planets. And so it kind of gives you this free fall feeling. Uh, I, I personally experience long void moon periods as it's as if time itself is moving slowly like it feels like the day is dragging on and the general rules of a moon void you can listen to us explain this in great detail in episode 32 the last one we did is that often much ado about nothing things that happen are of little consequence and one of the things that everybody most well the media a lot of people were focused on was your state, Whitney, Tennessee, where uh, the House expelled two of the three so-called Tennessee three, two black yeah. men and a white woman, who 60-year-old uh, woman who just went through her second Saturn return and two black men who have not yet had their first Saturn return, but all of whom are dealing with transiting Saturn in their horoscopes. So we can see how they would all be subject to various certain controls. Anyway, um, they, ex- they expelled the black eyes and the white lady got to keep her job by one vote. But much ado about nothing. And yeah, yeah. Did, did I just say it to you what? offline, or did I say it during the last podcast? I told you nothing was going to really. Well, yeah, nothing. No, it's no, no, That's exactly what we said. It's like because back then uh, we we I think we had learned already that the respective city councils of all three of them, if they had all gotten expelled, would then be sending a replacement back 
Right. And they just sent them and back. They, and, and so far, they've sent one. They sent Justin yeah. Jones But back. they'll probably send the other one back to you. They pro- they, well, yeah. We, but we- I also said, and I think I did say this to you. I don't remember if I said it on, on the podcast or not. I just said, and let's just sit back and pop some popcorn. Pop and some watch popcorn. Yeah. And sex yeah. But what's very interesting about, okay, but this also adds a Pluto and Aquarius theme where we are seeing, we're seeing the seed potential in these early stages of the revolution and and you know we could we can see the two sides it's really clear really clear what are you talking about well i'm you know so justin jones was sent back you know the the nashville city council which has been under attack in tennessee uh, the t- the tennessee state no no i mean what do you what do you mean the two sides what oh, do you the mean two sides? Like the- well it's okay it's fascism versus democracy, which is what many mundane astrologers were saying was going to be on the table in the aftermath of, well, you know, that we were going to see the seeds percolating on a global scale between 2011 and 2016, which we did, which then, you know, coincided, quote unquote, with Donald Trump becoming president. And there, I, I was writing back in 2000. 15, I think I mentioned it. I think I think that was the first time. It was either August of 2015 or 2016 that I looked at this candidacy and said, this is the threat that astrologers were concerned about of a potential, even here in the United States, of these um, authoritarian slash fascist uh, uprising here in the States. But and and then it but it became a really weird squishy subject because nobody really wanted to say the f word. Nobody, you know, the media hesitated for a long time, even you know, in polite society, calling well, it what it is. I mean, well, right? that's because they were making bank off of yeah, so much is. money. We don't want to say that exactly. But now, you know, things are things are very much out in the open with this particular story. We can see. All right. <laughs> Why, you know, why were the two black guys expelled and the white lady wasn't? And yet they're calling it a quote unquote partisan retaliation. Okay, but the black guys lost their jobs for five seconds, you know, during the moon void and the uh, the white lady did not. Now, why was that? Actually, I, I wasn't following this along the lines of race only. I thought you were talking about fascism versus democracy. Well, that too, but, but fascism is, you know, part of the fascist, uh, you know, playbook is we're going to isolate people who are quote not us and and put them in little you know boxes somewhere and persecute them because they are quote not us that's part of it right i didn't i didn't read any of the rhetoric i really i mean i paid so very little attention to the the granular on this just because um but I don't think it was necessary. I think the broad strokes and also looking at the astrology told me like, meh, this is going to get itself sorted out. However, this is what I will say. Just from that aerial view, I didn't really see it so much as um, this, the white woman keeping her job because she was white, because she only, she only kept it by one vote. I just saw this um, not as a racial attack, although definitely two black men, two young black men with a bullhorn coming into the the chamber. They were just freaking out. They had no idea what to do with themselves. I'm sure of that. And I have to tell you, that's not really most Tennesseans. It's just not. It's just those strange, whatever they are, so many of them, mama's boys who get themselves into power because 
this is really a nepotistic state and there's a lot of goofy stuff that's gone. That's why I said, we're just going to start sitting back watching all of the dark money and all of the crazy, bizarre things going on behind the scenes that was really driving this. But racism plays into it. But she didn't keep her job because she was white, actually, because she only kept it by one vote. This was really more about the fascism than it was about the racism. Racism is is like a substrata of fascism. And when you said this is um, this is the the lines being divided, I was uh, that's where I was curious where you were going with that, because what I see this as which was in response to people saying, would you please stop letting guns kill us? We would just like to take our final exams and get out of high school. You know, we don't want to be shot just trying to do what we're supposed to do to, you know, pursue that American dream, get an education, do all the things you tell us we're supposed to do. And then, you know, if, if we're lucky enough not to get shot in the process. And that's what sparked this. I was thinking along the lines of the line theory, right? Mm-hmm. It's evidence that to me, and I saw this when I saw your um, your coming headline about self-firing guns mm-hmm. and this, this like, we must have guns at all costs, even when the guns can fire themselves. I was like, okay, that's just now reached the point of absurdity. It is where when we think of things only in straight lines, you will naturally end up because there's no philosophy. And, and you know, the it's always the Republicans who want these crazy contraptions to just get more and more lethal. And it's always them. Why? Because they have no more philosophy, no more platform of either progress or anything beyond just maintain the status quo, maintain the status quo, march to the party line, march to the party line. And it's all fear based because it's based on you have to get to the top and stay at the top because that's where the access to limited resources are. And if you're not at the top, you'll not have access to resources, which we have determined we're going to only limit. And so therefore you'll die because you Mm -hmm. can't have access to whatever it is that we've made at the top. Mm -hmm. That would never have happened if we didn't always think in a straight line because thinking in a way that is holographic and is cyclical means that those resources would have been regenerated. But we have applied straight lines, which I think of as blasphemy, to everything. So we have made these these resources limited instead of unlimited. So, but what you don't, I don't, I don't know if you knew this. Yesterday, the governor of Tennessee finally, and he's a Republican, he finally issued an executive order strengthening background checks. And he said, Oh wow, I missed this. I missed this. Wow. And he called for the state legislature to pass tighter laws. Okay. He actually, now this I did read. He said, this is an opportunity to lead. It's <laughs> the light time, right time to lead. Okay, thought, Jupiter and Sun and Aries, let's take the lead. Go. Okay. But where I was going with this is that Cameron Sexton, however, is towing the line. He is towing the line where this guy is trying to step off the line. So Cameron Sexton is like, okay, well, we're willing to And let's be tell people who Cameron Sexton is. We talked about him last week. Oh, I apologize. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Cameron Sexton is the um, the House Speaker in Tennessee. So, but he said, okay, yeah, well, maybe we'll negotiate. We'll talk about this whole idea, Governor, that you want us to put some limits on gun laws. But, you know, we're not, we, we're going to have to make sure that everything basically is just like F, up yours. We're not going to do this. We're just going to, you know, give you lip service. But anyway, the larger point is when we start thinking in lines, we are at the point of the natural conclusion. And there will have to be a conclusion because the next place for the line to end is when you jump off the cliff. (laughs) So that's what's happening. There's no introspection. There's no dying for a cause. The gun violence anymore used to come with a manifesto. Now it's just like, I got a wild hair up my ass. This is because we don't have 
introspection because introspection, philosophy, understanding our our actions have consequences. None of that really gets done in a linear framework. There are going to be some who wake up under the current planetary patterns. We've got Saturn in Pisces saying, hey, you know, atonement time. And Pluto is going to go back into Capricorn. And when it does, I think it's just going to finish off all the hierarchy and mindlessness. And, you know, maybe that's going to require a blast, no pun intended, of more of the hatred that's still left when the lines are drawn to divide people instead of circles to embrace them. But we're going to find, here's my prediction. We're going to find that gun laws suddenly once Pluto moves into Aquarius for good for the next 20 years and doesn't retrograde back out, gun laws are going to matter. They're going to get made. They're going to get enforced. Less guns are going to be sold. And people are just going to start homeschooling. <laughs> I think that there's going to be a big rise in that too. Yeah. That's my prediction. Because they're going to, people are going to want to control how their children think because yeah, exactly. And okay. No, I a- actually wasn't seeing it as a control mechanism. No, move. no, I, I know that, but it- that's going to be, a, that will be, that's going to be a, an unintended consequence is that h- how people are trained to think is going to fall back into the home. Here's a prediction on when we might see some of the gun control laws come into play. So when Please make so, it. so Saturn is in Pisces now and the US has a Mars Neptune square at around I think 20 and 22 degrees of Gemini and Virgo. So when Pisces when Saturn gets into 20 Pisces whenever that is, not this year. I don't even know if it'll it might touch upon might get in there next year. Maybe we will see some controls placed on the idealization we see in the US horoscope of all things mars guns is being one of them we'll see we'll see yeah okay anyway so yeah so so tennessee kind of kind of ground zero here for the for what we're seeing because you know after justin jones was unanimously re uh, you know appointed to his post so he gets reappointed and then he marches with throngs and throngs of of followers mostly younger people back to the state house where he's sworn in again but the state legislature in tennessee only meets from january to the end of april so here we have yet another kind of much ado about nothing because unless they call a special session you know they're done at the end of the month but there you have it and we'll see what happens with justin pearson um either tomorrow or friday if if, if he is if he is uh sent back i don't know anyway all right, let's all right. move on. So, now all to- right, let's talk. All right, so uh, oh god. All right, so so again, making it super duper clear what we're dealing with here, and we're going to see some other ones. All right, so Clarence and Ginny Thomas. No, we don't want to talk about. But anyway, Clarence and all right, so so here's the deal. All right, so patron subscribers, you may be hearing us talk about Claire- this, but this was a big deal, okay? I know. I told you to include it. I know. <laughs> and you're an absolute rat. hundred percent. So Clarence, so move. Clarence Thomas here from Pinpoint, Georgia. That's where he was born. Man, you are not listening to me. Cut it out. Stop trying to be Southern. You are not Southern. I'm not Southern, but I play one on TV. All right. And, and you know what? And the truth is so many, both country music singers and Americans and well, actually, Americans are the worst actors who try to do a Southern accent all fail. The best at doing Southern accents are Australian actors. But I digress. Go ahead. OK, well, when Nicole Kidman is our guest, we'll have her do a Southern accent for us. And prove Except that. her. OK. All right. OK. Except her. OK. 
So Clarence and Ginny Thomas, um, shock, shock. Uh, who have, Clarence Thomas has a history of like forgetting to disclose income uh, as he's supposed to do, for well, example. No, okay, stop, 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 stop. Because here's the thing. She's going to tell. She's <laughs> yes, going to tell. Because he says, his, his excuse was that he was ignorant of the law. That alone, <laughs> I just was, I bust out laughing. I was like, wow, what are you doing on the highest court bench in the land if you're ignorant of the law? And how are you even a lawyer if you're not curious about the law? <laughs> okay, so will, there be, so, so will there be consequences for Clarence Thomas and Ginny Thomas after it was revealed that, that he's been accepting hundreds of thousands of dollars in gifts uh, from a man who and luxury, had, travel, luxury travel while he was going on documentaries and making up some bizarre story about I love traveling in RVs so that I can be with the people. <laughs> why would he even say that? That's just insane. Exactly. Oh, I, oh I'll tell you what. You know why that is that? the right? No, Elizabeth, that is the right question. I'll, like, but why I'll, would you even go talk about that? I'll tell you why. He says that because it's bullshit. Because it's, one, because it's bullshit. And two, because he needs to be seen that way. Thank you very much. Moon in Aquarius in the first house. Moon in Aquarius. He needs to feel of unique social significance among the common group. Humanitarian. Well, what is in his chart that says he needs to be full of shit? The chart. Okay. So, okay. Okay. So the chart, let's going to, I'm going to tell you the part of his horoscope that says he needs to be full of shit. Because such a thing does exist in astrology. Uh, there's an astrologic here. Uh, well, I would say that. The- I'm actually curious. What is yes, it? What is this thing? Well, first of all, he's got Neptune. I mean, because I'm using very tight orbs here. Ah, oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, it's so obvious. Oh, my God. You're going to love it. Okay. So he has Venus and, and Mercury combust right on the sun. There's a stellium. Oh. The sun, mm. Mercury, Venus, Mercury mm-hmm. and Venus are retrograde in Cancer. So there's a double agenda. He ain't going to tell you anything. And by the way, Neptune, because I use very me. tight <laughs> connections, uh, Neptune is uh, unaspected. So it's running wild all over the place. So he needs to have some idealism thing going on. And if I run this in Placidus land, Neptune rules his overarching legal philosophy and his values. So he values stuff that simply is not real. That, that he values things that are not real. And the moon in Aquarius, which is also unaspected, so it doesn't know how to get support from anything else and at odds with this um, th- this double talking, double agenda, short circuitry of of home and country values. He, he you no, you you would you would not know what to believe with him. You would have yeah. to really stay on top of this guy, uh, you know, to find out what's going on. And in this man who sat on the bench for years and didn't say a word. Anyway, you know, but the thing um, about I, his guy, though, it's not just that he. So not just any. Wait, what? can I interrupt? Yes, because um. That's fantastic. And I love that you do that on the fly. Yeah. So what you just made me realize, though, as you were, because I said, you know, where do we see in his chart where he's full of shit? What you are looking at are potentials. And so we have to be really careful not to say this will mean he's full of shit. Idealism. Yeah, it's or, exactly. I, it's idealism. It, okay. It can either polite, be bullshit it can, it can be or bullshit. it can be I. Or it can be idealism. Yeah. So when we, and, and I've talked about this before too, when we were talking about Gwyneth Paltrow's chart and I was saying, you know, somebody might have the exact same um, types of aspects and placements, 
and not be super famous, even though we said, look, look, this is the chart of a person who's going to be famous, but fame could be, you're really well known in your community for leading Girl Scouts, who knows? So it's just, remember that it's contextual. And here we are looking at a man who is continually under the microscope for what the hell is he doing behavior. And we see in his chart, he's just really deluded. And there's a lot of delusional, a lot of unclear, a lot of that sort of like, what is this fogginess going on here in this man's chart? What are, you know, what shows that there's a potential for that? And he, in his karma and his fate and his choices has decided to manifest it as lying. Or den- or de- lying or denying or deflecting or, or just putting out some, uh, some wishful thinking thing. I, but the thing is, is, this guy is not, he's not taking gifts from just any good old boy in Texas who inherited a pile of money from his father, et cetera, et cetera. Um, this particular man, Harlan Crow, um, you know, he's known, and, and this is, and this has been reported before, but now we're getting even more details. He's known for having a ginormous collection of, um, you know, souvenirs from uh, dictators and other people who should be seen in a James Bond film. Okay? Yeah, but you know what? Yeah, and especially Nazi memorabilia. He Nazi. seems to love Nazi memorabilia. But here, okay, I want to be fair about that. Though, okay. Because Steven Spielberg, whose family was... I don't know the extent, but anyway, his family was, I mean, remember he made Schindler's List. Yes. His family was impacted by the Holocaust. He has one of the largest private gun collections in the United States. So you can't say, you know, that one equates with the other. What I do think is interesting though, and you're probably right, because also in his collection of swastika memorabilia, et cetera, et cetera, is a lot of, a lot of uh, memorabilia around treachery, which I found interesting. So he likes to collect things, um, that have to do with traders. But here's what I ultimately came to think about when I was looking through the list of all the things he's collected. Include, so included in his collection, thank you, Greg Oliar, for pointing this out, is Clarence Thomas. And I said, well, collectors got to collect. So what other justices has he collected? Do you think maybe Brett Kavanaugh knows this guy? <laughs> yeah, it is It is an interesting question. It's an, it's an interesting question. And um, as I asked you behind the scenes, you know, I was like, what do you think that Ruth Bader Ginsburg might have known about any of this? This makes me question all of them. As much as I loved RBG and I actually she was a huge opera fan. And because I ran a classical music desk and, you know, I used to cover stories where she was involved and so forth. Love that woman. But really, there's no way that the rest of these justices, not even Sotomayor, none of them, I think, are exempt from some of this shit. They have to know something's up to the extent that they know. I don't know, but these are just my spidey senses. This is not even me as an astrologer. I'm just thinking as a reporter now, like, ah, yeah, I really doubt the rest of you don't have any clue about the extent to which your, your bench mates are compromised. Yeah. We do not have a birth date for Harlan Crow. We can't even, he's born in 1949. We don't know anything. So I couldn't, I couldn't look up anything about him to sort of get a sense for what, what might be, deriving his horoscope but the question is is that i mean clarence thomas's horoscope the, the angles of his horoscope the ascendant in the midheaven have been heavily hit in recent years um reflecting his empowerment all right all of a sudden things are going his way rbg passes away amy coney barrett gets on board and we see in thomas's horoscope that she might belong she might belong to harlan 
or yeah, he, she might belong to the crow collection too. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it would be very interesting. Um, somebody's going to dig up a uh, Harlan Crow's birth date, and when we get that, we can see some more things because what we'll be looking for is we'll be looking for connections between planets and the horoscopes of these justices and his his that would be one thing that we would be looking for but anyway um thomas's horoscope has been in a period of disruption and empowerment and changes the pattern that he had exact because we have a time for him the pattern that we have exact for him at the very end of march was uh, consistent with identity awareness. It's like, okay, we now know who this guy is. And this revelation certainly lets us all know who he is and where his alliances are. Um, this bullshit story about, well, you know, they've been friends for 25 years. Well, you've been on the court for 31 years. Why did Harlan Crow seek your friendship? He certainly wasn't looking for you 35 years ago. What changed? Why? It's like, please. Um, so, yeah, that's interesting. you know, so, so the next thing that he has, he has two solar arcs this year, one that, that I think is exact in June, but don't quote me on it. See, sometime this summer, he's got two solar arcs, one involving Pluto in the ascendant, which he's already had by transit. So it's just like another huge potential transformation or breakdown or empowerment where we see this person in a brand new light. I personally love the breakdown potential. I would love to see this guy being forced to resign, but that's me with my own personal politics and that's not astrology. I can't say that with certainty that that's what's going to happen. But I do see um, there's another solar arc between the moon and Saturn that suggests isolation. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he's not invited to so many parties anymore. I don't know. <laughs> uh, or or, or he, perhaps being cut off with respect to because the moon and, and Saturn in his horoscope in Placidus land, and I think in whole sign as well, yes, because he has a Capricorn ascendant, um, rule the public and himself, rules his ascendant and descendant. So there could be a cut off. All right. Well, what do we have to look forward to? Okay. So we need to talk about one more story that's that, that because we made a prediction last week. We were talking about the annual conjunction, the meetup of the sun with Jupiter, the great benefactor. Uh, in this, oh, yeah. We need to talk about the self-firing guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The self-firing guns and Kenneth Griffin, what happened at Harvard, because that's such a perfect reflection of the big giant head potential of Sun, Jupiter, and Aries. Okay, so what happened was, is last week we were telling you, hey, if you've got planets and you know your horoscope and you have planets around 22 degrees of any sign, Buy a couple of lottery tickets because you never know, because we're likely to be seeing a ginormous statement of largesse, benefactors in, in, in ways that celebrate the individual, in ways and also in all matters related to Aries, war, that's one of them, okay, or just ego in general, the self, big pioneering bold statement. Jupiter meets up with the sun. And so one story that one story that I, you know, Aries is the self, anything in the self, Aries is all about me, me, me. And so one story that was exclusive to the Washington Post yesterday was this big uh, investigative report on guns that apparently are going off at random 
while strapped to the bodies of law enforcement and other people who are carrying them. So 80 people have been injured by these guns just going off and their hands are nowhere near the trigger. So I thought, well, wow, I guess guns really do kill people, not people, because the guns are just going off. And so there is that. And so one wonders, you know, are, are there going to be any consequences for the manufacturer of this gun? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cause, cause it's not supposed to work that way. But the other story that was a really good, good sun Jupiter. So Jupiter also refers to collective thoughts. It's rules publishing and education, foreign affairs, sports. So Harvard University. They've accepted a gift, an unrestricted gift from one of their alums, Kenneth Griffin. So Ken is giving, so Ken, this alum is giving $300 million to Harvard. That's nice. What's he getting in return? It's a very big, giant, me, me, me head. He's going to have, Harvard is going to rename its graduate school of arts and sciences, the so-called liberal arts, in his honor. Well, that happens all the time. That's nothing new. I know that, but uh, but this is I'm saying this is a perfect reflection. Oh, but you just you sound so outraged. It must be I your am outraged. Son. I'll tell you why. Because it <laughs> says for the past 150 years, GSAS has nurtured and expanded the ambitions of students who have changed the world through their vast and varied scholarly pursuits. And now the Harvard Kenneth C. Griffin Graduate School of Arts and Sciences, aka no money, no mission, arts. baby, no money, no, money, no, no mission. mission. Okay, so do you think this guy is going to be influencing <laughs> the professors they hire at Harvard and the curriculum that's being taught? Yes, the, he is. I don't know. I'm just giving you shit because the thing is, no, 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 no. But but who is Kenneth Griffin? Well, he's a hedge fund guy. Mm -hmm. uh, he owns a company called Citadel, and he's also gave $25 million last year to the University of Chicago uh, to to launch an initiative to train police managers to prevent neighborhood violence. Okay, so there he is getting into Chicago. Uh, and so, so he's doing that. And he also got together last in 2021 with a, a group of investors to buy the last remaining copy of the United States Constitution. He's donated $10 million to MoMA. Uh, I think, yes. No, <laughs> I, I am the first person to tell you that hedge fund managers should take a hike, but I'm not seeing why you should be outraged over this yet. Is there Why am I outraged? I'm not outraged. I'm not outraged because this is what people do with their money. Okay. What do you, 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 you get, you, you know, you get a pile of, of acorns and who's going to care about you when you die? Well, you, you, you need to somehow put out the, the, uh, something that while you are making money off of laborers, although I don't know what hedge fund people do, I don't know how, what value they bring. They, they, uh, destabilize the world by using their money to leverage and hedge and twist things towards aims that most of us don't understand where they're going because the money is dark behind the scenes in private. Correct. Right. So basically nothing of value. Okay. Absolutely nothing to positive contribution. And yet they still need to believe that they are good people and can do good things. So what there we There you go. Is, That's okay, the nut. That's what the, it is. the nut and is I, that they need to and they need to they need to somehow you know compensate for the fact that they that a hedge fund is not really doing a lot in terms of being a chair you can sit on or anything or you certainly can't eat a head a hedge fund right and you just can't uh, and so what they do yeah is but the they, reason why I was asking you why you were mad is is because but I'm well, concerned you know. that I'm concerned that we have. We have a society where this is possible because this person, like Harlan Crow, who's entertaining Clarence Thomas, 
what does he want in return? Maybe he wants to control what is taught at the university. Maybe he wants to hire XYZ professor as opposed to somebody else who's saying something that, that goes against what he wants people to believe. And it goes into this awareness. Yeah, but this happens on both sides. Cause yes, you know, like, let's think it about does. David Geffen bought the hospital system at UCLA. You know, <laughs> it just happens. I think you're right. It, we just need to make, maybe we should, we should, uh, make public universities actually public and maybe Harvard, you know, but the thing is, this is not a public institution, but what we should remember is it's not a public institution. And so we should question more when they have these mega donors coming in and and doing these fantastic sun Jupiter conjunction moments and getting everything, you know, all the sunshine blown up their hoo-ha so that they can have everything named after them. But it is it is a private institution, but it also has its head up its butt too. So I think Larry Summers, who used to be there, was one of the worst and most like, oh, he's not a very bright man. Right. So, and so we, it just, we should be questioning our hallowed institutions of learning. And, and the Sun Jupiter conjunction in Aries is suggesting that, yes, there's a pioneering potential, but there also might be somebody coming in with a giant me, me, me initiative. And this is so fascinating that this is what was being circulated on that conjunction yesterday. And I have Ken Griffin's horoscope and he's got a partile. The Sun is opposing, he's a Libra. He's in, this man is an idealist, sun conjunct Libra, sun conjunct Mercury in Libra, opposing Saturn retrograde in Aries, which is a bit of a, an autocratic position. The moon may well be at Leo, which is a please, please, please love me do. And oh boy, Venus is conjunct Neptune. So there's an idealism here. It is in Scorpio and it's sextiles Jupiter and Pluto conjunct in conjunct in Virgo. So this guy, we can see how easy it is for him to get access to gobs of, of wealth, potentially. Not everybody with this horoscope is going to run a hedge fund. Anyway, I just thought that was because I was looking for a good big giant head yeah. story and I had yeah. the guns, the self-firing <laughs> guns and this guy influencing schools of thought, which is a hot button issue. You know, we're talking about people in Florida, you know, telling you, you can't, you can't read to kill a mockingbird in your school. Uh, and, but we have these other things that are not so well publicized that, but that are as influential. Okay. okay. Right. Back. So what do we have to, what, what have we got? So in store next, for next week, week, we have so many things to unpack, but we're not, we're going to be brief. All right. So the big generosity potential of this week, by the time you listen to this, we will have had Venus squaring Saturn. Okay. That's going to happen on Friday. Whenever you have a hard aspect between Venus, which is money, women, aesthetics, and social expression, and Saturn, which is controls and business, we often see this reflected in news of cuts and losses and controls in those matters. So as big as the start of the week was, by Friday and the weekend, things may be seeing, you know, we may be reading things like, uh, you know, the San Francisco Whole Foods is is closing because not enough people are going there. Okay, that's a Venus Saturn. Venus is food. Saturn is we don't have this anymore. Or, um, you know, the IMF is suggesting that the world economic outlook is they're, they're downsizing their expectations. That is also a Venus Saturn reflection. Then we have no aspects for almost seven days no exact aspects among the planets except those that involve the moon building to a very significant aspect that happens. We have these patterns four times a year. We're going to have a challenge between sun, which is leaders of business and state. 
It will be squared by Pluto, power and resources. So I'm looking for big news involving leaders and power plays and oil and all energy resources by the 20th, which also coincides with a new moon, the second new moon we're going to have in Aries this year at the very end of Aries, 29 degrees of Aries, which will also be an eclipse. The first of the two eclipses we're going to have in this eclipse season. So I expect there to be a lot coming out next week. What was, okay. So, so we have a lot going on that will be, well, when we record this, when we record our next podcast on Wednesday, we will fill in all the blanks about the new moon potential. But one thing I do want to say is that this eclipse will activate the moon, the driving need. It's going to be sitting right on the Aries moon in two significant world event charts. One is the Biden administration's inaugural chart. And the other is the day that Britain finally left the EU, the day they finally got out the door, the moon was at 29 degrees of Aries. And so I just expect that in the next couple of months, as this eclipse is activated, there's going to be an accelerated growth in the agendas of these two events, the Biden administration and Britain leaving the EU. Cool. Wow. I mean, the 29th degree. 29th degree. The, the, yeah, the very end That'll of Aries. That'll be a really interesting discussion. Yeah. Dying to get something started before it's too late. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Elizabeth. That does it for episode 33. I am Whitney McKnight, publisher of News from the Ensouled Universe and documental Mapping the American States of Mind, both found on Substack. You can search for either publication by title or by my name. That is McKnight with a K. I'm also the producer of this podcast. Elizabeth Grace is the author of the forecast at the heart of our newscast. She has been writing about what she calls the astonishing synchronicities between planetary patterns and news headlines for about 15 years now. And you can find Elizabeth's work at graceastrology.com. Off the Charts, a stellar newscast is patron supported to become a paying member of our community and receive access to extra audio insights into planetary patterns that affect policies and procedures and to have deeper dives into what it means to be a citizen of the Ensouled universe. Please check out our subscription offers at ensouled.substack.com. And if you can't become a patron subscriber right now, please support us by sharing us with others and leaving comments in the comment section. Until next time, please keep hope in your heart and get out there and look at those amazing stars.